Hey, it's Paul. And welcome back for Head Boss in Charge. Hey, did you have, did you give a little vibrato on that? Oh, you know, I was channeling my inner Beyonce. Maybe Michelle. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going to do that. All right, that's cool. So how you bossing? <laughs> um, let's see. I'm doing pretty good. I just did, um, um, like, literally, like, 10 minutes ago, I did a charcoal mask. Um, and my face is feeling like extra like clean and smooth and clear and then I finished it with a little bit of um uh rose water toner spray okay so I see you Fran (laughs) right I was like I'm trying to live my best like skin life because the skin is an organ um I'm doing pretty good we are rolling into um a break period because it's we're pushing up right on Thanksgiving so the kids are gone um, for the week, even though I have to still work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because um, I didn't take any time off. Um, so I'm doing pretty good. I'm enjoying an adult beverage right now. Uh, I'm just enjoying water. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder why. Drink last night. Did you say a drink? No, I said I had enough to drink last night, so I'm going to stick to water. <laughs> oh, well, I'm trying some organic spiced apple cider and some light um, lemon vodka, which is giving me a lot right now. It's delicious. So, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so, uh, overall, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I had a, a few revelations that I might get to this week, and so... That was good. I actually went on a retreat, or not a retreat, um, a hike for women of color yesterday. And I'm not really into hiking, but it was like meditate, hike, meditate, journal. Um, And there were about 65 to 70 um, women of color there. So I'll shout them out at the end so that folks can take a look. But the two women out of Atlanta started a group organization about hiking and women of color and being with nature. And it was really, really good. And I don't even like things like journaling, but I journaled and it was, I was like, oh, so I'm feeling pretty chill and pretty calm right now. So how you bossing? Well, I finished my stage production. The show is over after two months of rehearsals, 10 performances, the show's over and I am so glad it's over. <laughs> it's like my weekend's back. Um, but no, I'm just so, super, super proud of myself because this is this was such a challenging acting gig for me for many reasons, but um, I got great feedback and I did a superb job on the last night. So I'm just really excited. So we had the nice. cast party last night. You did. I understand that you did. <laughs> there was a cast party and then I started bar hopping and then I went down the black hole and I don't really remember what happened last night. Oh, <laughs> oh that's evidenced by, you know, yeah, 10 o'clock works fine. 10 a.m., perfect. Okay, <laughs> but how about one? Fine. <laughs> how about one? I'm not together. How about eight? So. But other than that, work is going well. We're wrapping up the year. We're getting a lot of vacation time, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm actually flying to Boston this week to see my friends and family, which I'm really excited about. It's been like two years, I think, since I've been back home. Really? Yeah, two years. I low-key thought you went last year to see your mom. 
Oh, okay. Well, that should be good. Yeah, so I'm super, super excited um, to see my mom, my grandmother, my friends. So it will be a good time. Good Thanksgiving. Good. So it is the holidays. It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving means family, friends, maybe memories, maybe soul food, maybe a little bit of blackness, maybe a little bit of, um, you know, Uncle Tom just sitting in front of the TV watching football. I don't know. I'm just making it up. I'm sorry. You said Uncle Tom. And immediately I thought of like ass kissing Uncle Tom uh, from like insert black movie with sassy black female character (laughs) talking about Uncle Tom. But yes. So um, some of our favorite podcasts recently have been doing episodes where they reflect on their memories in school. So like grade school, not college, but K through 12. So The Read did this, The Friend Zone, Jade and XD. And so I thought maybe for a fun episode, since it's Thanksgiving, let's just talk about our childhood in school and how we were in school. And maybe that will, you know, um drum up some stuff about how school turned us into the professionals that we are right now right so you let me know if you need time to think about this because this is going to be like we're going to dive right in okay okay so let's talk about our most embarrassing moment in school can you think of one you know I've listened to those previous episodes. Also, shout out to Getting Grown, because that was the first one I probably listened to that had the questions. Um, I am not particularly easy to embarrass. So I, this was one of the questions that they said across all of them. So I, uh, you are welcome to go first. I don't embarrass easily, so there's not a memory that I have about like being embarrassed. Oh, okay. Well, the first memory that came to mind, I think I was in first, second, or third grade, one of those grades. And um, uh, we had morning recess. And right before morning recess, I had my breakfast. And I made the mistake of drinking my milk, drinking um, and eating my breakfast, and then running around the playground. And what happens when you run around the playground right after you eat? You You get sick. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I could feel the vomit about to come up. And so I went to one of the the school teachers who was monitoring the playground. And right when I was about to ask her, can I go to the bathroom? I just vomited all over the teacher. And when she saw that, she shoved me to the point where I fell. (laughs) (laughs) Because she didn't want to get any of the vomit on her. So I totally get it. But very embarrassing. And I was only in first or second or third grade. Oh, that sucks. Uh Um, yeah, I still can't think of one. I don't embarrass. I I mean, I did something embarrassing yesterday and I wasn't even like fully embarrassed by it, but I should have been maybe. I was like, uh, my bad, but I can't think of like a K to 12 embarrassing moment of something that has happened. Okay. Well, I think that says a lot about you in a good way. Maybe it means you're just very confident in who you are and the decisions you make. So there's no need to be embarrassed. Yeah. Well, no, I probably dumb, dumb shit or whatever, but I don't know if I felt a level of embarrassment after. 
I just was like, I can tell you the one that I had yesterday. Sure. Uh, well, it was low key. I was real kind of pissed about it. And I saw it as a sign from the Lord, like you shouldn't be doing this anyway. I was in, I'd gone to this hike in the morning yesterday. So it took me a lot longer to get there and a lot longer to get back. So my bad on poor uh, judgment of time, but I got back and I was like, oh, I think I want some, um, some apple cider because I, you know, worked out and sweat a lot. And so sometimes after I work out, I will have a hard cider because I am gangsta like that. So I went to like this slightly artisanal um, grocery store, not far from me. It's, it's on the same vein of Whole Foods, but it's a local one. And I went in and I was like, oh, wow, they have like Angry Orchard, um, shout out to Angry Orchard, but they had the seasonal pack. So it was like six different, two bottles of six different flavors that are not in the traditional pack. I was like, ooh, sweet, like, yay me. So I pick up the thing and I'm walking up and I didn't even notice that the, the cardboard is a little damp um, in the box. So I grab it by the handle like I'm supposed to. And I walk maybe about six to eight feet. And the thing falls out of my hand and I'm standing there with like a piece of the cardboard in my hand still. And the bottles have all fallen on the ground oh. and they all bust open. Like not a single one did not bust open. Um, and so I just looked at it just like begin to spread all on the floor. And I was like, shit. I was like, sir, I, I dropped this as you can see as evidenced by this little piece of, cardboard still in my hand the package was a little bit wet i hope i don't need to pay for this <laughs> <Most of them. laughs> that was my first thought i was like i hope i don't need to pay for this because it was purely an accident um he's like no no you're fine and then i go back and i look and there's no more of the variety pack and i said now this was a sign let me go ahead and just get this regular apple cider and call it a day and the store was full. It's not like the store was empty. It was, it was a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. Like lots of people are grocery shopping. Just ping pow, all of the hard cider on the ground. Everybody looked at me and I said, well, what are you going to do? Exactly. So I walked away after he, after the guy who worked, I walked away. I was like, what you, I'm not going to help you clean it up because that's a liability. Nope. So. All right. Next one. Who was your favorite teacher? Oh, this one's super easy. And why? Her, her name is, her uh, name at the time was Deb Gratz, Deborah Gratz, and she has since had a last name change. Um, she got divorced. Her name is Deborah Waz, um, although she's married, remarried now, and I don't remember her husband's last name, but I love him. He's great. Um, she was my fifth grade teacher. Um, she and I are still friends to this day. Um, like friends, as in like, I talk on the phone with her, we text, I make it a point. She's like one of the two or three people that I will actively go out of my way to visit when I'm down in Southern California. And she makes the same kind of, um, efforts as well. Um, she was like one of three people who was at, um, my wedding reception that were not family. Um, but I consider her family and I went through, a lot with her in my fifth grade year um you know fifth grade you have all like your one teacher teaches everything and you might leave your class for like one like a pe class that somebody else teaches um and so had her for all subjects 
she was just really kind. She has kids, one that's a little bit older than me and one we were in the same grade, but he went to a different school. Um, she was really kind. She was like super supportive. She, I don't, I wish I could pinpoint the thing about her that I love, but she's always been so caring and so nurturing and like rooting for you. Like when someone says they're rooting for you, she's like, no holds barred, like got my back. Um, hell, when I lived out of state in, in the Midwest and she was visiting her family, she drove like three hours to come and see me. Um, yeah. She, and I, I was kind of a sickly kid, especially in fifth grade. That was kind of the first, I had some um, brain, abnormal brain activity shit going or whatever. So I, I missed a good chunk of school. I actually got chicken pox at that time. Wow. I had mono during that year. Um, and then I was out because I had a seizure in class, in oh. her class as I was sitting there. Um, and after that, I was in the hospital and out for like two weeks. And she came to the hospital. Um, and since then, like, I just kept up with her. She'd come to my basketball games in high school. And like, she's a person that I go to for like advice, for support. If I'm having a rough day, she kind of helps me put things back into perspective. And, you know, as a, an adult now, it's, um, it's great to have that relationship with her. Um, I've stayed at her house before. I've house sat for her. I mean, I've stayed just generally when she was there and just uh, like, it, I don't know, like, I, I love her, like, and she is my family. So when I think of family, she is one of those people. Is she a black teacher or? No, she's an older white woman. Okay. I know, right? Did uh, you have any black teachers growing up? Uh, I had two that I can remember. I hope there weren't any more. And I know who they are, Mrs. Greenway and Mr. Oliver. Okay. Uh, what grade? Um sixth grade English and then uh eighth grade PE was Mr. Oliver and Miss Greenway was like extra black I also had her during the time of like the Rodney King um uh verdict in the LA riots and so like all the black kids were in her class on that day when all that shit was going down um and she like enveloped all of us in the class and she was like you're not going to class so yeah but oddly i didn't there wasn't like a connection with those two so and mr oliver was a tp teacher and he was like a tall black guy who was kind of gruff so i don't know that he was anybody's favorite (laughs) (laughs) um i've never had a black teacher and in k through 12 and i don't even think i ever saw a black teacher in any of my schools high school, middle school, elementary school. They were all white. I've never seen a black teacher in K-12 in my hometown, which is very bizarre. Well, wait a minute, but your hometown is in... It's New Hampshire, yes. <laughs> it's, I'm just like, let's put a little context for the people. But really? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a couple black teachers in college, but it was still far and few. Very strange. Uh, So my favorite teacher, uh, seventh grade, she taught uh, geography or social studies. Um, Her name was Mrs. Tafe, I believe, or Mrs. Tate. I can't remember, but uh, she was... (laughs) Y'all were like this. (laughs) She was one of those teachers that just made you love learning. Like you walk into that classroom and you're ready to do the assignment. You're ready to listen to her. You're ready to learn. 
And history, social studies, geography, that was always my least favorite subject. But for that one year, she made that lovable for me. So I, so the focus for social studies in seventh grade was geography. So she would, you know, as we're learning the different countries around the world, she would bring in the culture to the classroom. So whether it was the food or maybe we're, you know, wearing the outfits or maybe we're listening to the music or whatever. She just made that, that classroom experience like awesome. Like I, I can't even think of a kid that didn't even like her, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is Tafe. Do you still have any connection to her to this day? Nope. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a connection to any of my teachers. Um, yes. All right. Who was your least favorite teacher? If you had one. I'm trying to think. I I may have blocked it out. Um, <laughs> Repressed it, memory. Right? I don't know that I had a least favorite teacher. I mean, I could name all of my, like, K through five grade, grade five teachers. I could name them all. And they were all cool, from what I recall. Um, I don't know if I had a not favorite, um, high school or middle school teacher. Maybe all this is not kind. She's probably still teaching. I think her name was Mrs. Miller and it was an honors English class. I think my, maybe my sophomore, freshman or sophomore year. And first I was like, there were two black people in that class. I want to say it's myself and Kim. Um, I don't know. She, it was just really a robotic class and there wasn't, you would, I guess I thought maybe like there would be a level of creativity there, but there wasn't. It was very much a by the book. And I don't, I couldn't tell you if I learned something from there. I mean, I guess I learned enough to go on to like honors English the next year, but I just remember it being really stale and robotic and, um, she was kind of awkward, but not like, yeah, it was awkward and uncomfortable in that class. Not in a bad way, but it just, it didn't feel like for me, it was conducive to learning. So I was like, I didn't necessarily dislike her, but I didn't feel like I could fully engage in the class. And I felt like I was literally just doing work as opposed to using my mind to do work and to engage in like whatever shit we were doing in the ninth grade. Okay. My least favorite teacher, I don't remember his name, but I remember his face, unfortunately. Uh, Eighth grade, social studies. And he was just one of those teachers where he's been teaching for so long. And when he walks into the room, the energy just gets sucked out. Like he is, you know, he was never excited to be in the classroom. He had that monotone voice. It's just like, if you're tired of your job, why are you still doing it? You know? And so he would always yell at kids. Uh, kids would misbehave because he was not engaging. Um, but he just never looked happy to be there. So of course the kids were never happy as well. So um, yeah, just sad. That is unfortunate. But I mean, it's a career path for some people. Sometimes I think like, what joy do you get out of doing this? If I don't like, I'm not saying you got to like walk in and spray glitter every time, but like, <laughs> if I don't see you engaging in the stuff and you're like gruff, like, mm, I don't want to be here. And it shows in your work, like, what is, like, what is the purpose of you doing that? Right. Yeah. All right. So 
what fad did you succumb to in grade school? So it could be clothes, it could be a toy, it could be whatever, a fad. Um, it definitely was not clothes because um, a bunch of my clothes were hand-me-downs. So they would already have been out of style at that point and there wasn't money around to like <laughs> fall into the fad thing. Um, in terms of clothing, um, let me see. At the time, I will say there were a lot of, um, in my school in your sophomore year, I want to say it was your sophomore year, everybody had to take a swimming class. So that was part of like, there was a segment in PE, it was X amount of weeks where you took a swimming class. And I had never had, at that point, I had never had braids before. And I was still low key, I was still rocking a Jerry curl. Um, very much. <laughs> That was a fad. I wish that I had never been a part I of I can't even picture that on you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, on top of the fact that I have no hair now, I had like a jerry curl and it was like juiced up. That was like a real thing. Stains on the back of the couch, uh, plastic bag to bed, etc. cetera. Um, but that was the year, that was the first year that I got braids. And so all the black girls like in my high school that were sophomores had braids. So you can call that a fad or it was just like maintenance because you didn't want to have like jacked up looking hair. So um, literally we all had braids for that segment of um, our sophomore year. Because if you didn't have it the, the fall semester, you had swimming in the spring semester. And so it was kind of a flip-flop. But if you were black and female and taking the swim class as a sophomore, you had braids. So and you can imagine that then people were mixing our names up like nobody's business. Oh, really? So that shit wasn't new at all. That is not cute. No. So I guess that perhaps for the time that was a fad. So for me in high school, I would say I was a little bit of a, like, I guess if I had to uh, come up with a word for my style of clothing at the time, uh, prep, uh, prep kit or preppy. Um, polos and button-ups and whatnot and um, oh my gosh yeah so I, I used to shop at American Eagle and uh, wow you were fancy oh you know it and for some <laughs> odd reason wearing a double polo with a popped up collar was a look <laughs> two polos popped oh. up collar all the girls and guys did it I have no idea why I even succumbed to that, but it was the cool thing to do. Um, I think that was like my junior year in high school, but when I look at pictures, it looks crazy. It looks ugly. I have no idea what we were, what we were thinking. <laughs> it looks like it would be warm. I've seen pictures of people with that on, and I'm like, that looks hot, first of all, and then you're wasting a clean shirt. Right. I was like, right? Because you're not going to, Yeah. I don't know why that was a thing. I mean, granted, I was in college during that time, and I'm I'm certain it was a thing, like, at my university. So, nothing that I would I did at that point. But yeah, that seems random. The double polo. Random. I don't know. Uh, okay, next one. What song reminds you most about high school? Ooh. Did it have to be out during that time that I was in high school? No. Um, okay. Oh, shit, this is hard. Because Beyonce wasn't a thing then. Hmm. You go first if you've got one. 
Oh, man. I would say Irreplaceable by Beyonce. Because uh, it came out in the latter part of like 2006, 2007. And that's when I was a junior or senior in high school. And that song was on the radio and everywhere. <laughs> um, wait, what do you say? Why are you making that face? I was just trying to do some math. You wait a minute. In high school, you were, it was like. I graduated high school in 2007. Okay. Because I'm like, for real, like, I was like, no, Beyonce wasn't a thing. Destiny's Child was not a thing when I was, okay. Never mind. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, how was that a thing? What do you mean? I don't understand. Okay. Yeah. So I would say Irreplaceable. That's my song. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm trying to think of, I don't even know what the hell was popular back then. So, you know, I had to real quick go to the billboard charts. Yes, um, you do. Uh, well, I don't remember. You have to remember that was, for me, that was 20 years ago. And that's when I was a senior in high school was 20 years ago. So. Okay. Should we um, get <laughs> Let's see. Oh, shit. There was a lot of songs. Ugh. I never liked this one, but this was super big in my high school. So this doesn't necessarily a reflection of me. Oh, but, oh my God. But then there's this other one. Okay. Um, Spice Girls was really big back then. Okay. So want to be, if you want to be my lover, that was huge. And people were Spice Girls for like Halloween and whatnot. So how gay of you? I said people, I was not, I didn't do Halloween. I was at, you see those memes on Halloween. There's like, kids are mad because they have to go to hallelujah night at church i was at church on halloween oh me too yeah knocking on the not allowed to celebrate halloween no what is halloween that's the devil's day exactly Um, (laughs) you can get your yeah your candy from me knock on the bedroom door twice you get all the candy you need i was like that was so extra of my mom but i i can appreciate that now um but there was a group uh when i was in high school they were called as yet um wow you were like i've got nothing nope um they sang a song it was a ballad a slow ballad called hard to say i'm sorry and it was like they were really heavy on like playing out the different melodies throughout that so they they would harmonize really nicely and it was like four or five guys but i just remember like belting that out on a tape um and like going hard at that but that bad boy there was zero reason that I would have any sort of connection with that song aside from the the guys in it I thought were cute at the time and um it was a video that they played very regularly on BET when BET played videos and when I had cable so yeah all right you don't have to disclose the name of the person but uh, how old were you um, for your first crush? Oh, geez. Um, I was probably like 11 or 12, maybe. And then I real quick got out of that crush phase thing because I was, yeah, I was a little bit odd in that way. Um, was it a girl or a boy? They were boys. Okay. Um, there were two. Um, and you know, well, um, am I going to regret saying this next part? Well, there were two and they were friends with each other. And I will not say their names. 
Um, I would be so surprised if either of them remembered me or listened to the show. But you never know. The world is small. I remember they were both friends and we all went to the same church. Um, and I had crushes on both of them and they both had crushes on me. Oh. And there were points at which I, oh Lord, please don't, don't smite me. Um, <laughs> I had kissed both of them. Oh girl, get it. At church. <laughs> 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 oh my god when i should have been in church but i was in like there's like the you know well and i don't know black churches you know you got the part in the back of the church where there's like the kitchen and like the place where you sit and sometimes people watch the game or whatever if it's between services and they would serve the food out of there and so i should have been in church sitting my black behind down listening to the word but i was back there with one of them and this was on different sundays but one of them was like, can I kiss you? And I was like, okay. And that was my first kiss was at church. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is nothing good can come of this. <laughs> um, and they, one I know of, and I'm still connected to on Facebook. And I think he's got at least one or two kids and uh, spent some time uh, behind bars. Um, and the other one, I don't know anything. about. I can barely remember his name. I can remember his first name and that's about it. Um, but yeah, I had crushes. There were two of them. And then I got out of that whole like boy thing. Not necessarily, it didn't mean I jumped into girls. That sounded weird, but, um. (laughs) Wait, so I guess how old were you when you started having crushes on girls? You know, I was probably like low key in my like early twenties. Oh, I just kind of was like void of people and crushes in like high school for the most part I just didn't pay attention I was I played basketball and I was like I read a whole lot like I would read constantly and um I did my homework and I played basketball those are the that should have been a sign right there um because I played ball all year round like summer ball winter like practice when I didn't need to like stuff like that. I'd play pickup games across the street with like the guys in the neighborhood. Um, but yeah, probably my early twenties. I didn't even pay attention to them really. I don't want to say like I was like asexual by any means, but it just, it wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't even a thing. Um, and then I ended up meeting the first woman that I dated in grad school. So. So my first crush was in fifth grade. It was to a girl. And of course, I won't say her name, but me and my best friend had the same crush on the same girl at the same time. So we were really competitive, just even in school. So like math, science, whatever, we would try to beat each other. Um, And we were also trying to beat each other in in impressing the girl, which is so ridiculous, but (laughs) (laughs) we ended up winning. And I don't care because obviously I don't swing that way anymore but um yeah (laughs) random memory but yeah fifth grade I was competing for a girl with my best friend um you know what she's doing now huh you know what the girl is up to now no idea okay we're not even friends on Facebook yeah well and I just happen to be friends with one of mine on Facebook because I know his brother used to live in the bay so 
other than that I, i'm always surprised when people are like this is my best friend from third grade and i was like yeah. i can barely remember people from the third there's one guy that i remember from the third grade because we went k through 12th grade together and we're connected on facebook and we engage every now and again there's like one person but i don't get how they're like well this is my friend group from kindergarten and i'm like i don't no. Kindergarten. no not in the least all right. Uh, what's a fun fact about one of the schools that you attended? Or just like a fun fact about a school, a school experience that you had? I will say one of the, the school that I attended, I went to San Dimas High in Southern California. And I guess, and I never saw this movie. Um, I don't know that there were any Black people in it. So I probably was initially not drawn to it. But Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which was super big back sometime in the 90s or something. Um, I said the 90s, Mr. I graduated in 2000 something. Okay, okay. Have um, a seat. <laughs> uh, that movie uh, played out is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and it was with Keanu Reeves, and I don't know who the other guy was, but they went to San Dimas High School. And even now, like when I tell people, like, they're like, Where'd you go to high school? And I was like, Oh, I went to San Dimas High. They're like, Oh my God, where Bill and Ted went? And I was like, <laughs> oh my god it's a movie they didn't actually go to school there um but that's people know it for that reason so whenever sometimes it, if i'm getting the right person in the right age group they'll be like oh, that's where bill and ted went and i was like i've never seen the movie and i'm never gonna watch the movie um so yeah but fun fact about my high school um it was the center of a very popular movie back then cool um this is more of a fun fact about my town, but um, I grew up in the same town as Adam Sandler, and Adam Sandler's sister was my dentist. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, growing up, whenever I went to the dentist's office, she would have all his movie posters and would keep adding them as he got movie gigs. Um, and he didn't go to my high school. There were three main public high schools in my town. And he went to uh, one of the neighboring high schools. Uh, but shortly after I left, he did a commencement speech for, I think it was the class of 2008 or 2009. But um, I thought that was really cool. So hmm. Adam Sandler. I had to, for just a moment, remember who Adam Sandler was. Wait, you forgot who he was? Yeah, I just for a moment I forgot. It was not intentional. <laughs> I'm not offended. All right. You were slightly. You <laughs> lucky gave me this like like you don't know who Adam Sandler was. I was like, no, why would I? But All right, next question. What's the baddest thing you did in school? Um again, I am lackluster on some of this cuz I was a real goody two shoes. So, like I can't think of anything bad, like, and what I'm going to, the one thing that I can think of and that I'm going to say, you're going to be like, bitch, that wasn't bad at all. <laughs> um, I, so my mom didn't, first of all, I didn't have a job in high school. I couldn't get a job because I, I didn't have time for a job for the most part between reading books from the library and hanging out at the library, nerd alert, um, and playing basketball and doing homework. I didn't really have time. So with that, and I didn't have a car either, and which means I didn't have a license, but I um, forged my mom's signature on like the lunch, um, like you had to have your parents' signature to be able to go off campus for lunch, you know, like either your junior or your senior year. 
And my mom wouldn't sign mine because she was like, well, you don't have no money and you don't have a car. So what are you going to be doing? There's nothing close enough to walk to from your high school. And so I was like, I'll show you less. Um, my mom's name is Leslie. And so I signed my own, I said forged her signature on the off-campus slip. I just had to make sure she never saw my ID because my school ID, because they put a little sticker on if you were able to go off campus for lunch. I don't remember what it said, but it was distinctly different. And so I did that my, it must've been my senior year. And so I went off campus for lunch during my senior year and I would just save up coin or save up babysitting money to go off campus. Or I'd low key take my lunch with me off campus while my friends were at like Del Taco and would just eat what I had brought just to like prove a point that I could go off campus. So I don't even know if that's bad. Is that bad? What well, bad is relative to the person who is experiencing it, right? So yeah. Um, I felt like a weird, real daredevil at that point. I was like, oh my gosh, what if I get caught? <laughs> I wasn't going to no damn Del Taco. <laughs> so, I mean, I was a bit of a goody two-shoes in school. Like, I never even missed a day of school. I had perfect attendance all throughout high school, which hmm. is one, I think I was one of four people who had perfect attendance for all four years. Um, but somewhat related to school, but I ran away from home when I was a senior uh, in hi- high school. Um, I will spare you the details, but family argument, I just ran away and I stayed with friends for like about four days. Really? Yeah. Now you know Black people don't really do that, Paul. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) I ran away from home. When you said that, I was like, like for the day? You just like, okay. That was very white of me to say that. I was I was surprised. Did you at least check in with your mom? Uh, no, because we were we were in an argument. Thus, why I ran away. Wait a minute. Did she like call around? I'm. I gotta know the logistics of this. <laughs> well, I mean, she saw me drive away at night. I just packed a bag and I drove away, and she didn't stay in touch with me, and I didn't stay in touch with her. We just needed time to cool off. Wow. Yeah. I literally would never have thought to do that because I'd be like, where would I go? I mean, I had friends and everything and friends close enough and friends that would come and pick me up. But I feel like their parents would have been like, you have to go home. They probably would have low-key called my mom and be like, she's here. Yeah, well, yeah, the the people that I stayed with, they were super, super accommodating. It was right around the time when I came out or when my mom found out I was gay. And it was just a very tumultuous experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the parents that I stayed with, they knew I was gay. It was with a best friend of mine. And yeah, they let me stay for a few days. Wow. Did they give you like the like parental talk? Or they were just like, no, you can stay. Oh, no, they did. They did. Um, And these were rich white people, too, because there was a neighboring town uh, where all the rich kids (laughs) of my high school uh, lived. And um, I had my own room. They made me dinner all four nights. So, yeah, they were very accommodating. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 
I'm fascinated by that. Not I'll that people you, would be I'll like, tell you more offline. <laughs> okay. I mean, not that people would be like shunning you as a person that, you know, is seeking out help, but like, wow. I don't know if I ever knew anybody who did that. Yeah, I was a little bit dramatic in high school. <laughs> I like how you're reluctant to say you're like, I was a little bit dramatic, but it's neither here nor there. All right. Two more questions. I think we have time for two more. Okay. Uh, what is the blackest thing you did as a kid? Or uh, what was a constant reminder of your blackness in school? The blackest thing that I did as a kid. Ooh, I'm trying to figure that out. I actually have to think about mine too. And then the other part was... Or if you can't answer the first one, uh, what was a constant reminder of your blackness in school? Um, well, shit, these are like stumper questions. Again, it was hard because I was like very much a goody two-shoes. So some might be like, you were kind of whitewashed during this whole high school, grade school thing. Um, I think maybe feeling like I was amongst the only black kids when I got into some of the honors classes because I didn't I didn't do the AP classes because um, I think there was some sort of testing or something you had to do in there and I just got moved into like the honors classes um, which I don't think took any sort of like special act or whatever they just were like oh you are consistent in this way I'm assuming how this works I have no idea um, but I think being not seeing myself in my classmates and being in classes where um, I was the only, if, if not one of two, um, Kim usually being the other one that I can remember off, off bat. Um, but yeah, I think that that might be the, the reminder of, um, that. I mean, I remember when I was little, I was, somebody called me a chocolate bunny and I wasn't like the white chocolate bunny. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Me neither. I thought I heard everything. <laughs> no, like she was like, you're like a chocolate bunny. I think I must have been like maybe eight or nine. And the kid who said it was like six or seven. And they were, it was in my apartment complex. Um, and yeah, I think I was like roller skating around or something or doing or jump roping. And I just remember, um, she, the little girl said it in such a stank ass way too um that i was a chocolate bunny and i wasn't a white chocolate bunny i don't even know what the hell she was talking about because i know i wasn't talking to her um i just remember asking my mom about that oh and you know the other thing that reminded me of that i was like black it didn't happen at school but the neighborhood that i grew up in was a little rough as in like the corn, the house on the corner, like across the street and on the corner from the apartment complex that I grew up in was like the known crack house. Like everybody knew that wasn't a surprise that it was the crack house because there would always be people there. Um, uh, I also, um, I saw somebody get shot right in front of my uh, living room window. It was at night. It's not like it was like broad daylight and it wasn't like late in the evening either. But cool. I remember us hearing like, people argue outside um, and we were watching TV with the lights out, but the curtains were open and they were arguing. And then I believe we saw 
because um, it wasn't just me. It was, I think, me and my sister at minimum were watching TV. And we saw um, like a gun get pulled out and then like the spark from the whatchamacallit. And then my, my sister and I just jumped to the floor. And like, I think she squeezed over and closed the blinds. I don't know what the hell we thought the blinds and the curtains were going to do being closed. But I remember that happening. So I, I just remember some really vivid experiences, like going to school with like a lot of folks who didn't look like me and then going back to a neighborhood where everybody looked at me or every looked like me or everyone identified as at that point Mexican, um, but now more evolved Latino um, and kind of the dynamic of the switch of those things. Um, so I, I always remembered like, growing up in a neighborhood that didn't wasn't really reflective of the high school or the grade schools that I went to so yeah so for a constant reminder of my blackness I was gonna I you said you took the words right out of my mouth um I took a lot of honors and AP classes and at my school there were four different levels so one was like remedial uh two was you're kind of average or a little bit below average. Three was preparatory classes, and then level four was honors classes. And then on top of that, there were AP classes. Mm -hmm. So for most of my subjects, I had AP and uh, honor classes, and I was the only black kid in every single damn class. Uh, and my, my school was pretty diverse. Like there were a lot of Latinos, not really many Asians, some black people but a lot of them were in the level one or level two classes. So it was interesting to see how the level of intelligence also mimicked or how it aligned with race and also how it aligned with socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so that always, that was always an issue. And especially in like history class, whenever um, we talk about the civil rights movement, people look at me for the answers. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only black person and you have to look at me every time we talk about Martin Luther King. <laughs> yeah. The one day you talk about Martin Luther King, or maybe that was just my high school. Um, all right. So one more question. What was your proudest accomplishment in school? Um, let's see. When I was a senior, I, there were two accomplishments that I was proud of. One was that I made the all-star team for basketball. So that was really cool. Um, and then the second one was um, the all-star team for our, um, uh, our league. So of the X amount of high schools, I was, I was on the all-star team for that. Um, and then let's see, I, in our school district, there were a few schools um, and there was an award, and I don't even know if they still do it, called, my school district was named Bonita Unified School District. And so they did Bonita's Best. And so there were five students that were identified as Bonita's Best. Um, and so I had gotten nominated. I still, to this day, have no idea who nominated me. And then there was a voting thing, and it came with um, a, <clears throat> a scholarship for whatever college you were going to. And... Um, and I don't know that it was big, but I just know that it went to my my undergrad institution to start to help pay for things. And I don't even know how much it was, to be honest. Um, but I was voted the Benita's Best and I got to go to a banquet and um, 
we had to stand up and somebody read something about us, but I don't even know. Again, I have no idea still who nominated for me for that. Um, but it was really cool to be recognized for something that I was like, I was just trying to like do a good job in school so I can get into college and, you know, make something of myself, if you will. But that those were two things that I distinctly remember being like, oh, that's really cool. Like I didn't think people would notice me in that way or would even nominate me for something because I wasn't in the like, like I wasn't in the AP classes and I wasn't like the star athlete, but I worked hard at what I did and people knew who I was because I was also in student leadership and I had a few positions through that. So yeah, those are two things now that I think about it that I was like, those were really cool things. And I still have like programs from both of those things. So yeah. Cool. So for me, um, in eighth grade, we had like a little graduation ceremony to move on to high school. And I received an award. Um, it was for getting straight A's for all three years in middle school. And I was the only person to achieve that in my, uh, my year. So uh, they presented that award last. Um, and it was just one of those moments where it's like, wow, I'm the only Black person. And I get to take on this big achievement, uh, straight A's. My mom was super proud. And um, I had one of those moments where all my white teachers were like, yes, a black kid won. Um, so I loved that com uh, camaraderie with um, my school community because they were all rooting for me. So um, yeah, I'll never forget that. Straight A's for Congratulations. So <laughs> all right. Well, um, if you have any really, really cool school memories, uh, tell us about them. Uh, email us. Facebook us, Twitter us, um, let us know what uh, some of your responses are to the questions that we ask. So uh, we're going to take a much needed break and we'll be right back. keep the party rolling um we got uh two questions this week from our ask a boss segment um low-key paul's gonna say the stuff at the end that i never remember so let's not pretend like i'm gonna remember today um so we got two questions um we'll do a work career related one first and then we'll do a fun one um so shout out to kyle who is a um, a regular avid listener for the question. Um, Thanks, Kyle. Um, shout out, Kyle. Uh, so we will answer the first one. So his first question is, what's your favorite interview question to learn about candidates? So what question do you like asking candidates to learn about them? I think... Well, even though I like to... Although I like to separate life and work, I do like to ask questions that shed a little bit about um, someone's personality. So um, whether I ask about what are some of their side projects or personal projects that they work on outside of work, what are some of their hobbies? Um, I, I gotta throw in just a wild card question in interviews just to shake it up um, and to see their personality. So. Yeah, that's kind of the direction I go is just trying to figure out what they do outside of work and what, what are their passions. Okay. Um, I like that one. That tends to throw people off a little bit. 
but I can appreciate that um, and seeing how a candidate would um, respond to something that's not traditional. Um, so mine is too, so I just typed mine up real quick, um, trying to put it to words. Um, what are the one or two traits from your parents or guardians that you most want to ensure you and your kids, should you have any, have for the rest of your life? Wow. Um, so I, I do that in a similar fashion to you. I want to know the candidate is able to respond to things that, that haven't been rehearsed or they haven't had a chance to rehearse them. Um, but I also want to get a sense of what values they might bring in. Um, I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer, but I would be hopeful that they're paying attention to what they're going to be able to give, what they have learned, and then what they want to continue giving back be that to kids, nieces, nephews, mentees. Um, for me, that gives an insight and it, it hopefully gives me a little spark into something that's deeper. I like that. That's fun. So, yeah. 99% um, of the time, people are not ready to answer that question and it throws them off. But I need to be able to see that you're going to be able to answer questions and be responsive and, you know, come up with things. And, right. Yeah. Um, be thoughtful about stuff. Um, so shout out to Kyle. Thank you. Much appreciated. Keep listening. Keep sending us questions. Um, and so here's another, here's the fun question. So, you know, a few weeks back when that guy or gal from Twitter deleted, um, 45's Twitter account for like 11 minutes. Yes. <laughs> so here's the question. Um, it's your last day of work at Twitter. Whose account are you deleting on your way out? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, the entire White House, really, but... <laughs> right? Um, I would have to say... You have to come back to me. You go first. Okay. Um, and this just came up this morning. I've had this question for a while, and then I had somebody originally... And then this morning, this one kind of rose to the occasion because I realized this person um, regularly needs to delete their Twitter account. Um, and it's Lena Dunham. Oh. Um, her most recent shenanigans that she has submitted a rehearsed apology for, and I'm sorry, but not really sorry. I'm only sorry because people are giving me backlash kind of statement um, is around one of the people who worked on or works, I'm not sure if the show is over, girls. Um, one of the writers, I think, um, was accused of some sexual misconduct with relation to um, a woman of color who was working on that staff. And Lena Dunham, I believe she tweeted something and was like, um, I stand with oh, the guy um, because I have been, let me see if I can actually find it. Oh, I believe in a lot of, I'm going to quote her Instagram or her Twitter. I believe in a lot of things, but the first tenet of my politics is to hold up the people who have held me up, who have filled my life with love. So she's talking about the guy who is alleged to have, um, uh, sexually uh, had sexual misconduct with this woman of color staff member. Um, then this is without her, like, knowing seemingly knowing any parts of the story and essentially saying 
I don't believe you. That's like the undertone, like the undercurrent of the conversation. Like, I don't believe this person. I'm going to stick with the person that I know because they've been there for me and had my back. As though people can't make mistakes and do things that are inappropriate and wrong and um, et, et cetera. Um, so she issued a statement uh, today, which is weird because she refers in the whole thing as we, like when we wake up and signed it, like we apologize to any women who have been disappointed. And I'm like, first of all, who was the we? And second of all, I am tired of you taking your mediocrity and highlighting it on Twitter and interviews and articles and whatnot that you're interviewed for. So please just you don't listen. She doesn't listen. And that's part of the problem. She's so busy talking and feeling like she's taking a stance in her mediocrity that she doesn't seem to have the capacity to listen until somebody calls her out. And then one of these faux apologies are issued because she didn't think she didn't stop for a minute to think about what she was saying and the impact that it would have on other people. So delete your account. I'm leading, I'm going to delete it for you, Lena. Take care. <laughs> yeah. She does this all the time. Yeah. Um, but did you listen to her, excuse me, did you listen to her on the Janet Mock podcast? I, I did. I gave it a shot and I listened. And what did you think? Like, do you think she redeemed herself or do you feel like she is misunderstood or? No, I don't think that she has redeemed herself. I think she wants to stay misunderstood because I, I feel like she doesn't learn the lesson. <coughs> Granted, do I know what the exact lesson is that she's supposed to learn it to learn? No. But the fact that she keeps repeating this pattern is telling me she's not taking the time to absorb what she needs to absorb. She's not picking up what is seemingly being laid in front of her as an opportunity to learn. She's speaking before she thinks, and that continues to be her problem. So while I appreciated the interview, it was a pretty good interview, and certainly I can appreciate parts where she acknowledged those things, like she keeps doing it though, and that's part of the problem. All right, so I think I'm deleting Stacey Dash. Oh my gosh, she's deleted, period. <laughs> On my way out the door, Stacey Dash, gone, because she, very similar to Lena, she does not think before she tweets. Um, and she's not, you know, a good contributor to Black society. She doesn't re represent me. She's not part of my team. So, mm -hmm. um, and she just needs to shut up. She just yeah. needs to shut up. I can't. Uh, I want better. We were all rooting for you, Stacey. No, we weren't. We weren't. Nope. Nope. We haven't been rooting for you for a while. Um, but yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. I almost want to say her and Omarosa, but. I was almost about to say her. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do two? Yes. <laughs> we're one and the same. <laughs> I'm sure they're best friends. Yeah, right? I just don't understand, like. Speaking of Amorosa, did you hear how she got married and she basically like walked into the White House unannounced to do wedding photos? You hear about this? No. I don't follow Amorosa to be to be uh, It was a mess. So I I mean I think she still had to go through security and she doesn't have the same clearance as she used to, but she's like, "Yeah, I'm just I, you know, Trump knows me. I'm just going to do the photos right here. What? <laughs> Who do you That's think you are? That, okay. See, 
all apparently all sides of people are feeling emboldened to just do what they're gonna do <laughs> and be okay with it expect people to be okay with it that's not how this works but i'm not terribly surprised all right so those are two really fun questions if you have any questions for us please email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com and we're gonna take a break short and sweet uh, oh actually i have two bosses i just thought of one <laughs> so my first one is uh sir and Rumi knows carter uh for making their first appearance on social media and uh paparazzi looking all cute and chubby um mm-hmm. beyonce out here with her laptop probably you know coming up with her 10th album already uh, but they're still on vacation and I think those kids are adorable and I can't wait till we get the next Destiny's Child or something. <laughs> um, and then my second one is Black Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because Thanksgiving is coming and Black Twitter is hilarious with all the memes when it comes to Black families at Thanksgiving. So I'm just ready for all the laughter. Yeah, likewise. I keep seeing these things of like, there's four pictures and one gotta go. So hard. (laughs) I know. Let me give you one real quick. Okay, so there's turkey, ham, macaroni and cheese, greens. One gotta go. Turkey. Really? Yep. I'd rather eat ham than turkey. Turkey just like knocks you out cold there's what's that chemical in turkey that makes you fall asleep i know what you're talking about i don't know the name of it but i know what you're talking about like trypto something yeah it's the itis but yeah i know what you're talking about (laughs) um yeah how about you ham's gotta go oh okay yeah because you get you a good deep fried turkey by somebody who knows how to deep fry a turkey and that bad boy is juicy but anywho you just and you can't get rid of the sides. Who gets rid of the sides? That's like oh, never. That's like the purpose. Like I don't even need the meat. So there's that. Um, okay, so I have two bitches and a boss. Um, so they are kind of like slight bitches, I would say. So one is um, what's well, a boss and a bitch? So it's a bitch to an executive at um, Google. I won't say which one because it'll be really obvious if I say it. Um, So there was a former Google engineer. uh, Let me make sure that I have her name right. Erica Joy Baker. Um, She was an engineer at Google for nine years um, and she provided direct service to some of the top executives in the company. And so there was one day when she was in the office amidst its, you know, other diversity problems and lack of diversity um, and equity um she was i think one of two black female engineers and so at one point one of the executives at C- executives i almost said the title um came into the office looking for her white male colleague um so 
executive comes in, starts talking to her, explains her the problem. And she's like, oh, I can fix that. Because it was a technical issue. He's like, oh, you're not XYZ's assistant. Oh, you should really get a name tag on your door so that people know that you're an engineer. Mind you, other people don't have their name and their title on their door. Right. People are respected for the fact, the work that they do and the things that they say that they can do. But I was just like, even at places where, you know, they say that employees take care, and don't get me wrong, I will work for Google in some, most minutes. But it's things like that that remind me of like, it's so important for us to be seen and be, um, invite ourselves into these spaces and for people who are in these spaces already to continue to invite people of color into those spaces so that it becomes normal because apparently it's still an abnormal thing for um, black and brown faces to be seen in leadership positions and positions of importance in a company or an organization without thinking, oh, you're the help or oh, you're only, you only fit into this particular category. Um, you're not smart enough, you're not bright enough, you're not enough for X, Y, and Z to be of use to me an executive. So bitch to that, it just, it, it felt really familiar, unfortunately, and so I was disappointed. Um, but shout out to her um, for moving to another company and being, becoming a senior engineering uh, Yeah. Um, this other, the other bitch is more to more of a thing than to a, uh, a person. Um, so this was an op-ed from, and we'll make sure that this is in the notes from the LA Times. Um, it's from the last spring, but it just popped up in my Twitter feed not too long ago. It says African-Americans don't sleep as well as whites and inequality stretching back to slavery. And it was just such an eye-opening as a person who has difficulty like staying asleep um they kind of went back and and like kind of looked at this from a cellular level of like your ancestors like in in times of slavery and whatnot and my my ancestor my history only goes back so far because my mom can only remember so much um and there nobody was writing books and writing journals at that time um that there is a divide in terms of like how black folks sleep like from a very cellular level because of how black folks were treated during the times of slavery and being brought over on slave ships and being packed in like sardines and being amongst like a whole host of like bodily fluids and functions and not being able to get sleep or, or having to sleep on the floor or be having to be at the beck and call of, to be real honest, their owners. And so the disruption of that cycle and what it causes and what it does to um, increase the risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease, um, some of those things that we inherent like on a, like from a cell a cell type level um it was just really interesting um to read and to like again see myself in this and not necessarily in a good way but to really think about what that means and there's a level of that that we can't control like it's it's a part of our dna and like so how do you start to disrupt that and like get regular sleep it's such a simple thing but i was like damn i never even thought about that Right, right. You know, it's kind of amazing how, um, you know, s some people will be really quick to dismiss slavery and say, that was so long ago. We're so past that. And we're doing research of like, you know, just like what you mentioned, things that happen in slavery that's still affecting us today, not just on a yeah. systemic level, but in our DNA. That's yeah. crazy. 
and one part in here says, as Frederick Douglass put in his memoir, more slaves were whipped for oversleeping than for any other fault. Mm. Douglass went as far as to suggest that keeping the enslaved population in a state of constant fatigue was a useful tool in breaking their will. And I'm like, damn. Whew, it was deep. So take a read of the article. Let us know what you think. Um, and then my boss of the week goes to Serena Williams. Yes. Um, and her new husband, uh, Alexis Ohanian. I'm not exactly sure that's how you say it. Um, but apparently they got married in New Orleans um, within the last week. Who exactly knows when? Because she does things when she wants to. Um, and I think had three dress changes. Um, the people that were there were nothing but the best, including Beyonce. Okay. And I'm just, why would you say anybody else's name? Um, so the pictures that have, you know, I think it says they were leaked. Um, she put them out as she wanted them to. Uh, Serena did um, with the baby there and all the family and she just slayed like so I, beautiful i am i don't know why my heart is racing thinking about her and all the beauty that was there and it just looked like a phenomenal experience and she did what she wanted to do how she wanted to do it with the people she wanted around her and gave zero fucks about it to be real honest um sorry so, not sorry right I'm not sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh shout out to mrs and mr williams basically um because i had to i was like what is his name um so shout out to her for doing her thing and like continuing to live her best life and i remember hearing some sort of uh interview where she was like oh you know they're like what do you do for like a guilty pleasure and she's like <laughs> i buy property um <laughs> right it was so <laughs> casual um so Go ahead and do your thing, sis. And we're all proud of you for living your best life. And yeah, so boss to her for just being a boss. And I'm sure her body is snatched back already. Oh, so, girl. right? Um, I'm jealous. So, yeah. All right. That was such a good way to end. Uh, so that wraps up our episode. I'm going to leave you with the usual footnotes. Uh, please stick with us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. Um, and leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. Please, please, please. We want to know how to get better. So uh, until next time. Peace. Bye. <laughs>